It's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comets Insider on 94.9 K-Rock. Presented by IBEW Local Union 43, by Hobby Hill Farms, and by Pathfinder Bank. It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. I heard that opening that we play every week to Utica Comets Insider as Comets Apple Cider for some reason really wow. quick. I don't know. I think it, like there was like a cough and it jumbled it and I can't hear anything, but we're good to go. Joe Roberts is working overtime today. It's been Hi. a long day for you. Yeah, it's just it's normal game day, man. Been uh, it's a, Well, it's a little different time, though, isn't it weird? I'm usually here later. This is actually great. This is not an overtime day, right? We came in at 9. We're, I'll be out of here a little bit later. Usually we're out of here at about midnight or so. We got you uh, Utica Comets blue Labatt blue can, whatever, Celion hashtag on there. Those are sharp. Scoop is here. Tom Coyne, long day for you, too, sir. He's with us, the, the voice. A weird day. Of the Adirondack Bank Center. It, it, it is a weird day. Yeah, 3 o'clock face-off is a weird, on a Monday is a weird day. And Veterans Day, there, there's always, it, it always, I said to Scoop earlier, even involving my normal K-Rock duties during the day, on Veterans Day, it it's everything. Yeah. It, it's omnipresent, it's there, and, and you always, have, everything that you do say is kind of directed towards that and paying respect to it. Like, I try to tone it down a little bit with some of the things I might talk about that I might normally talk about at any other day. But let's just talk about the pomp and circumstance of the day and, and really what it is is respect. It's saying thank you. It's being grateful because we're sitting here talking about hockey due to the sacrifice of, well, really thousands and millions of people that have served their country over the years. I, I have to compliment um, the combat staff for the job that they did in the pregame because it was right on the money. Um, you don't, you know, it's, you could go over the top. They didn't do that. They uh, they did a, a great job paying respect. And I got to also compliment, and you don't often get that, the uh, uh, specialist from the U.S. Army who sang uh, God Bless America and the National Anthem. She did a great job uh, in getting the crowd to join her in that. And really set a tone that was very, very nice and respectful for the afternoon. Last year, I recall being in the building and the hometown hero was all of the veterans, whether it is former or current members of the military. Is that the way it was handled in the building today? Scoop and I were still at the studio doing pregame. Okay, yeah, Uh, that's exactly what it was. The, uh, The hometown hero, which is the first media stop in the first period, uh, today is normally an individual who has been selected to be to be uh, recognized, and today it was all individuals uh, who were serving either in the past or in the present were all asked to stand and to be acknowledged for their service, and that's exactly what they did. And Joe, Joe's way up at the top of the Adirondack Bank Center. You're looking down on that. That that has to hit you a little bit different than even a goal celebration where everybody's standing up. It's a completely different mood. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, you know, it, it's you have uh, the American flag was getting passed around the, the lower concourse during the anthem, and, um, you know, it, it's nights like these that are always particularly powerful. So it was fun to be a part of. Uh, tip of the hat to, to the many very talented people uh, with whom I'm lucky enough to work who put all this stuff together. Um, I, I say it when it's convenient for me, but I can also say it on a night like tonight. I'm just a radio guy. Uh, there's a lot of very talented people behind the scenes who make that stuff happen. And uh, it was just uh, it was a great night. 
and from your perch up there, it all sort of unfolds in front of you uh, up there, up top of the Adirondack Bank Center. That's quite a vantage point to, to see all those veterans and active uh, service military members to stand up. It's kind of an awe-inspiring sight, you know. Yeah, it's cool. You know, uh, Tom Tom sits kind of in between the penalty boxes, right? So so he might say that he has the best seat in the house, but it's very obvious that I have the best seat in the house. I can see everything. Um, and to be able to see stuff like that is really cool. Um, it, it's kind of ruined my ability to go and watch games at places. I always try to find the highest place and the most center place I can, I can watch from. But, uh, you know, it was neat. Yeah, it's great to have a bird's eye view. And, again, it, it's a lot of hardworking people behind the scenes to make that stuff happen and look cool right it's got it you know and that, that's that's what it was tom these jerseys you're after eric quietek puts the designs these and puts them together and they've evolved there have been different versions over, yep. over the history of the utica comets but they're nothing short of spectacular that's not hyperbole they just are they're just magnificent every single year they really capture the spirit of the day eric is one of those guys that that is is on the list that Joe just referenced the the, the guys behind the scene who uh, do just an amazing job. If you go to a hockey game at the auditorium uh, and you you come away fully entertained, there's been about a dozen different people who have played a part in that uh, besides the hockey team itself. And Eric is one of the most instrumental in that capacity. The graphics that you see up on the big screen. Even uh, here at the 72 Tavern where they're serving you sports. He, ex- he, he designed ex- everything. Exactly. And, and the, uh, the jersey, the logos, uh, that big, that U, the alternate U that you see beyond the, the crest of, of Comets, uh, that's all Eric. Um, Eric, did, the only thing he did not design was the graphic that was utilized for his own birthday wish and the birthday wish sustained today for Joe. He did just, a, he he did did just have a birthday the other day. Yeah, Eric did, I do believe. Yeah. Joe Roberts is with us. Tom Coyne is with us. Scoop is here. My name is Ray, and this is 94.9 K-Rock at the 72 Tavern and Grill. Utica Comets Insider. They are, yes, serving you sports. A lot of people left over from the game stopped in here to grab some dinner. The, the man that scored the lone goal tonight against the Syracuse Crunch is actually here with Lucy, Lucas Yasek. Nikolai Galdobin is here tonight. I saw a couple of the guys. They're going out for their dinners at, at a more, I guess, in, in the 9 to 5 world time frame as opposed to, as you said, you're here till midnight. They're probably not going out to dinner at 11 o'clock yeah. at night normally, but you're seeing them out prowling around Utica before this crappy weather. I saw Justin Bailey and Stefan LeBlanc. It was nice to see, first of all, <coughs> Stefan LeBlanc get in a game, score a goal. They wore, speaking of the U, those green jerseys in yeah. his first game the other day. Hold up, you mentioned Bailey. Do you know how much his jersey sold for at no. the auction after the game? No. No. $5,600. Did it? Was really? $5,600 wow. $5, for the Justin Bailey jersey. Wow. Is that the highest ever for one jersey? Uh, I, I, I'm hearing conflicting reports. Uh, the initial report was yes. Um, the, enough, the, the other report is a very heated bidding war between a, a couple of powerful people for a Cal O'Reilly jersey. Um, but, I, you know, as far as uh, I'm concerned, 5600 might be a record. And, man... What a hell of an auction that was. That was pretty fun to watch. Didn't I don't remember anybody exceeding $5,000. I know that Archie was up there, and I know Cal indeed was up there, but I don't think anybody top five grand. That was a lot. Didn't, yeah. didn't Thatcher end up buying his own helmet from the Save of the Day I auction? Think he, I think he did, and that might be in a different, that's a non-jersey category. That's a, <laughs> it's a different category, etc. So what did you see today? Overview of the game. 
from the broadcaster perspective, I know that you're just like us, watching the games and reacting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the two goals that went in were weird. I mean, uh, the first goal they scored was after a timeout, after Mikey DiPietro and Brogan Rafferty combined for one of the most unbelievable stops you'll ever see. Uh, right there, point blank. It looked like Syracuse was going to go ahead one nothing, and, and Mikey made a save, and then uh, Brogan there followed up and, and made a stop as well by dropping down to the ice. And then we, on the other side of the timeout, uh, Boris Kachuk just saw a puck sort of on edge, and he did the old Russ Tyler knuckle puck, uh, and it just sort of dodged and dipped and dived and ended up beating Mikey uh, under his arm, it looked like. and You could see him adjusting as the puck was in the air from yeah, that shot. Yeah, yeah the video. It, it was sort of like a knee-buckling knuckler. It was very strange from about 65 feet out. And um, and then the one with .3 seconds left is just a, 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 a truly a perfectly executed play by Syracuse. Indeed, you yeah. got to win the faceoff. you got to get the puck to the middle. you got to get it to the goal. Just like that, done. And that's one of the things they always say. You don't want to give up a goal in the last minute of the period. You don't want to give one up in the first minute of the period when they have all that fresh ice. Because very often, teams will let up at both those moments. You could be susceptible. You could be vulnerable. So that's one of the things that I've always heard. You don't want to do. you got to try and avoid that. But when things are strung together in the right way and you're playing a good opponent and they put it together in the perfect fashion, there's not much you can do about it. It boils down to something we've covered on pregame, something we've talked about here, something we've even mentioned to Joe. It's it's just they're not finishing plays off, and maybe they were getting the bounces in the first eight games that you're just not getting now. Coach Cull has referenced all of these things at different points in postgames. Boy, you wish you could borrow a few of those goals from the one we scored eight when we're getting shut out twice. Boy, you wish the bounces, all these bounces you're getting in your favor now would even out into some of these tougher games that they knew were eventually going to come, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I I was doing a phone hit yesterday with uh, TSN Radio in Vancouver, and I said the first couple games they looked like they were shooting at a soccer net. Now it looks like they're shooting at a golf hole. Yep. Um, It's just the net maybe hasn't looked as big, and I think that the more that's thought about and talked about and poured over, it, it makes people grip sticks a little tighter. Um, I, I think that it's just, uh, you know, maybe a little snake bitten when it comes to scoring goals. You know, you, you, you lose the creativity and, and, and explosivity that Berchi brought, and then, you know, Boucher gets hurt, and, and all of a sudden you're taking away some of those big dogs like that. It, it's, it's the second-best hockey league in the world. It's hard to score goals. In. Also add to that the performance of goaltender <clears throat> Spencer Martin, which I listened to the game. I didn't get to see a lot of the video yet, but... According to your call, it sounded like he had some pretty dazzling saves out there at time. Yeah, I mean, I think he was. Uh, I think he was all right. I think he was okay. Um, you know, it's a it, when it boils down to it, that's not really the guy you expect to see when you're playing Syracuse. Um, that's almost their third guy. Scott Wedgwood is in. Uh, we talked about it. Scott Wedgwood is in Sweden, and uh, Mike Condon, I think, is the other one, is injured. So that's right. Um, it's kind of their third guy, so uh, you, you'd hope that you might be able to get to him, but uh, you know what? It, it, yeah, it was tough. Uh, you know, the first chances were there. The second ones, third ones, the ones where you really know you're going to score and uh, maybe didn't show up as much as they would have wanted. Joel Roberts, Tom Coyne, Scoop, Rain, 94.9 K-Rock, Utica Comets, Insiders at the 72 Tavern from IBEW, Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms, 
and Pathfinder Bank. I want to address again, Coach Call said it's, it's finding chemistry. It's, it's finishing off chances. This was in postgame today. And it's something that we talked about on pregame scoop. I want to kick this sauce past this over to you, so to speak. But, for example, on the power play, there's been, I think I said 75 different combinations. It seems like there's constantly fluctuating. They have, nothing has clicked for the re- some of the reasons that Joe just said. Guys have been injured. Guys have been called up. Things like that. Guys in and out of the lineup. It was all clicking before. But once again, power plays a struggle. Five on five. Sometimes it's a struggle the last four or five games. I mean, we're doing well on the PK. Moving those lines around is one thing, but it's a little bit more consistent as far as PK as, a, as opposed to power play. You're trying to find what works. Right. I mean, I think what works to my eyes right now is the fourth line. The fourth line seems to go in there. The other night, you know, the Devils brought in their, their first line against them at times because the fourth line has just been dominant. They get out there and they out-muscle you, they out-hustle you, and... That's the one thing the Comets have going right at present is that fourth line. So maybe you, you know, reward them from time to time. Or some of those guys are, you know, part of the starting lineup. You know, uh, we'll see. They're trying things to see what will work on the power play. I, I do think on the power play, one of the things that's most pressing is the, is the absence of the threat that uh, is presented by Reed Boucher. Yeah. I mean, you, you could set things up. It's very similar. This is my mandatory appearance uh, or mention on uh, Comets Insider. Corey Conacher? No. The Maple Leafs? (laughs) Maple Leafs. Um, Very comparable in setting things up, in in feeding over to uh, Austin Matthews, who's just got this shotgun going right now. And it's a similar situation with Reed. If, If they can get it over the side and everybody else, those are four other skaters on the opposing PK are thinking about that, and that will open other folks up. When it's not there, <clears throat> excuse me, when he's not out there, you could close gaps, you can, you can not give the comments the room that they might like, because you're always worried about what, you know, what's going to happen with Boucher, and I think that's one of the things that's kind of hurt a little bit on that power play. You did get to see somebody like Tyler Grayovac pick up his first goal. He's finally getting in the swing of things. Another thing that we've talked about we talked about it in pregame two uh, two days ago. We talked it in pre- about it in pregame today. Maybe it's something we'll pick up the conversation with next. Going to take our first break of Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern here at 94.9 K-Rock. Let's go Comets! Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill. Back to Rain Man and Scoop on Comets Insider. You Utica! On 94.9 K-Rock. A 3-1 loss today to the Syracuse Crunch. Get a chance at them again on Friday night in their barn. It is Comets Insider. Every Monday night at 7 p.m. we are here. 72 Town and Grill. Comets Insider brought to you by IBEW Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms, and Pathfinder Bank. Joe Roberts, your play-by-play voice is here with us. Tom Coyne, your public address announcer from the Adirondack Bank Center here as well. And Joe, I wanted to just get a little more color from you about the conclusion of Saturday night's game and the shower of debris after that overtime goal by <laughs> Zach McEwen. And, you know, they thought, obviously, there was goaltender interference. But, you know, the overhead shot looked like somebody might have been pushed into somebody. And, of course, you know, the fans are going to see it with their uh, 
devil's colored, colored uh, glasses down there in Binghamton, obviously. Yeah, it's. Uh, did you guys see the quote that Zach McEwen gave after the game to Thomas Drance, who's he he covers he for the Athletic in Vancouver? Yeah, 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 he covers Vancouver for the Athletic, and he was in Chicago, and then he decided to come out to Utica to catch a couple games. And he asked McEwen, he goes, hey, quite a scene there at the end. And McEwen's response was something to the effect of, yeah, you haven't seen many American League games, have you? <laughs> and I just, I read that and I thought, man, that takes some wit and sort of on your feet thinking I thought it was hysterical. But, yeah, you know, it was a fun game. The fans were going back and forth. And, you know, Binghamton is, Binghamton is one of those venues where the way it's built, the seats go straight up, you know. Yeah. So it just sort of seems like everybody's on top of you. Um, and then you get yourself in a situation where a controversial call or no call takes place. Uh, they just start hammering away at him. And, and, and then, you know, it's one thing to moan and groan and boo and, and, and whatever. But, like, yo, when you start throwing things, that just tarnishes, like, a, a pretty good night. Like, that just wasn't right. You throw, it, you, you, know, you throw crap at the refs while they're coming off. And you throw a bottle at McEwen when he's... Second star of the game. I mean, you understand why they don't sell glass bottles at arenas. You know what I mean? Like that's just dumb. It's just stupid. So mm-hmm. it was. It was what it was. Tom, we used to have some eventful nights like that back. Oh, yeah. in, back in the day in the. Uh, One of the most brilliant things that they did in the renovation work at the Adirondack Bank Center was to go with the plastic seats as opposed to the old foam cushion. I remember those. <laughs> Half the seats in the building before the renovation, th- there just wasn't a cushion anymore. Right. It, and they would jam up Zambonis when they would come out. Be- it, they'd slice them with their keys, oh, pull, it, pull it out, throw it out there. Oh, yeah. It was, it was some interesting stuff. I've seen some We've seen some people in the stands. It wasn't just when they filmed the Slapshot movie either. No, no. Uh, I remember a game against the Nashville St- South Stars, I think, was the team way back in the day. And that was before they extended the glass behind the oh, goals as yeah. well. It made it easy. It was swinging a stick over at a guy. It was trying to... It was, doesn't happen like that anymore. I'm the first guy that ever tried to take off his skate and stab somebody. Old-time hockey. <laughs> Joe Roberts, Tom Coyne, Rain, Scoop. Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. Brogan Rafferty, let's talk about that guy again, Joe, because he just gets more impressive. He's ahead of the curve. He's better than you would expect, even though he's an older rookie. This is one of those, we've belaguered the point, but not enough can be said about him. He's one of the leaders as far as scoring and putting up points on the back end of this team, and he just looks the part really quick. Yeah, I mean, I I think that... And I, I had this very same talking point the other day in an interview. There's a lot of reason to talk about an 18, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid who's a high draft pick. And then all of a sudden you say, why isn't this guy producing at a breakneck pace like he did in juniors when he was playing against kids who were 16 and 17 years old? Because he's 19. There you go. You're playing against grown men. Well, when you come out of college after four years or three years, I don't know how long was that Quinnipiac, to be three. brutally honest, yeah. okay? You come out of college and you're a 24, 25-year-old rookie, and you're a late bloomer. Let's face it. Who is at their best when they're 18 or 19 years old? That's not the way the world works. What do your air checks sound like when you were 18 or 19? I'm still garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Same. That makes two of us. I'm just being hey, Don't let them know. Um, <laughs> good thing we didn't say that where anybody can hold us to it. But it won't be in a podcast or anything either that's put out everywhere. No, but the fact of the matter is, like, you know, some guys are late bloomers. If you don't get drafted, then you get signed, and all of a sudden you're 25 years old and you're a rookie. Like, there's moments in that where you're like, it's kind of hard to be shocked. Like, it, it, it's he's a good hockey player. Yep. A good hockey player should go out there and be good. And that's what he's doing. I think tonight he got caught maybe 
you know, maybe four games in six nights took a, took a toll on him. You know, he played 13 games or whatever and didn't pick up a single penalty minute. And then tonight he had two kind of ticky-tacky holding hooking, which usually is an indicator that your, your, your legs aren't doing the work. You're letting other parts of your body or your equipment do the work. So maybe that caught up to him. Maybe, um, maybe these few days before they play Syracuse again on Friday... Get, getting their legs and getting some rest might help. Yeah, yeah. I think a little recharging is going to be good. You know, I, I think that the staff is giving them just a full day off tomorrow, or at least, you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, and, and so that's well-deserved. You know, just, just hit the reset button. Sleep in and, and, you know, eat a good meal and take care of yourself and whatever and be ready to come back to work on Wednesday and start all over to, to, to run and gun on Friday. So, to your eyes, Joe, uh, with defenders, Brogan Rafferty, been a calming influence uh, back there, I believe. I'm glad to see Stefan LeBlanc uh, now getting into the lineup. He had a goal against Binghamton. And it seemed as the game wore on, he got better and better and better. And that's a guy who really contributed in a good way towards the end of last season with all the injuries and everything. He jumps on the PK, too. Uh, I'm happy to see him getting a chance and to see him contribute to the first win in November the other night. How is he looking to you? Uh, you know, he, he, he's he been looking okay. Um, you know, there were moments in that game where he looked like a guy who had been scratched for the first, you know, 11 games. He scored that goal. Um, but he was out there for a goal against, uh, you know, earlier in the in the contest with an odd man rush. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's... I think he's doing his job. I think part of the job of being a pro is uh, accepting the lows that come with the highs. Uh, when you walk in and and, and, and want to have a job and have a spot in the lineup every day and it's not given to you, then you're going to fight like hell to make sure you don't lose it when you're given the opportunity to get in there. So um, I think he's a guy who's playing with a high compete because there's not a single professional athlete in the world who likes watching. They want to play. So I think he's got to, if he keeps that intensity up, then he can maybe control his own destiny. Tyler Grayevac, now that we got a chance to talk to you about this, you can expand a little bit. You gave us a nice little soliloquy about him recently in a pregame with the size and getting a few games under his belt. He's been in the game notes expecting him to break out. He's another one that put his first goal up. He's another one with Stockton who put some good numbers up. But I want you to break him down a little bit for everybody again, too. He's good. Uh, he's really good. You know, he... he when you're six feet five inches tall, you're not supposed to have hands that soft. Uh, he can, he can, he's an unbelievable stick handler of the puck. Uh, he's a great distributor. Uh, he's a true centerman, which is increasingly hard to come by these days. I don't know why, for whatever reason. Um, but he has the potential that once he gets going, once he finds his rhythm, I think he's just going to buzz. Uh, once he starts doing that, I think people are going to realize just how good he is as a hockey player. And uh, they're going to like him because he, he, he can do a lot with the puck, and, and it's very impressive. And obviously, saw him in the penalty kill situation, too. He's responsible defensively. He can win faceoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he checks all the boxes. Who's, who stood out for you, Tom, with the evolution of this team to where it is right now with a guy you brought up earlier, Reed Boucher, out, some of the different issues that the team is dealing with that, that have all been discussed, that are all out there. Where is this team now in your mind? Because I know you always you always kind of have an existential view of things. <laughs> I don't know about existential. Well, but, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, I I think one guy that kind of has had rose, uh, risen to uh, a good level uh, was Perron in helping out in in, in you, you just don't replace 
the caliber of a player like Reed Boucher. One of the elements that we forget about Boucher is what he contributes on special teams. Uh, he's a very strong on the penalty kill, just as he's as dangerous as he is uh, on the uh, power play. Um, so there, he's almost in debt capacity at this level, at the AHL level, uh, impossible to replace. But Perron has picked up some of that slack, um, and, and there's a couple of other guys that have risen to, they just don't have the natural attributes uh, to be able to say, okay, we got this base covered. Statistically, if you look at the power play of Syracuse, they're at about 22%, and I think Utica's at like 11-ish percent. You're, when when that's your number on the power play, it's kind of understandable why they're struggling a little bit. Oh, exactly. Uh, but I think the other thing, too, that's hurt them in, uh, is you got to stay out of the box. I mean, would they have gave up five power play opportunities tonight? That's right. And they killed them. But that's 10 minutes in, your, in which you're skating shorthanded in a 60-minute hockey game. If you got to get things going and you're having difficulty struggling, uh, struggling scoring goals as it is, that's, that's just shooting yourself in the foot. It is. We're going to take a quick break here. Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern with 94.9. K-Rock, we'll be right back. And now our Comets Insider Grind Line with Rain Man the Rocket and Scoop the Cement Head. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, we are live here at 72 Tavern and Grill. You want to watch sports, man? They got it going on here. TV's everywhere. Great food. Lots of beer. This is the place to party before and after Comets games, Pioneers games, uh, Utica City football club games. They're serving you sports scoop. It's crazy. There's soccer on the TV straight ahead of me. What's on behind me? So you got pre- college football. You got college football. We got some Monday night football later on tonight. I see a pregame somewhere. There are four TVs that have hockey on right now. I can't see the game Love from that. here. Uh, it, it's just it, got the OHL uh, All Stars versus Russia. Is that what's which is kind of uh, cool. I'm digging that. Looks like it's on the NHL network, perhaps. Amazing. Serving you sports. Great food, too. You want a beer? They've got that. There's, uh, there's some comments represented in the house tonight with the Veterans Day matinee that happened at 3. The tough loss, unfortunately. The Syracuse, looking back over the last week since the last time we talked, the 4-2 loss at Binghamton, and they beat uh, the loss to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, excuse me, then they beat the Devils, what they were there in twice in three days, four days, and then, of course, that loss today. But big news in hockey, as we have Tom Coyne joining us. I, I have to get your opinion on this. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an earthquake in the world of hockey. It, it truly is because everybody watched Hockey Night in Canada, and everybody knows the name Don Cherry. Think Craig Sager of the NHL. Where's the outlandish suit? Probably suits? bigger. And things like that. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as, yeah, because that's it. In Canada specifically, that's it. I mean, this guy was in everybody's household. And he has, Scoop, you've mentioned it. He's said some things over the years, but he really just, he kind of went over the line last night and or a couple nights ago, and it cost him his job. Well, look at the your Twitter feed from Sunday. Exploded. It was everywhere, and everybody was posting. Uh, I saw an, an actual, actual a, a considerable amount of relatively polite uh, responses to, to kind of show him that he was wrong with what he said. Uh, and, and it was just everywhere on the, your Twitter feed yesterday. On a day that is normally dominated by football, it was everywhere on my feed. And he, he 
he did an interview after his firing where I don't know if he was as remorseful perhaps as he should have been, and I don't know that he necessarily got the message that people were trying to send to him. You know, Amia Culpa maybe since that happened immediately on his part might have given him a chance to keep his job. I don't know specifically. I tend to think that they did the right thing, Tom. Uh, I I believe that they did the right thing. It was it was a first of all you put it in the context of something that I think we here in the Mohawk Valley may have a greater sensitivity to than other parts of the country because... It's a melting pot here. Well, not only that, but we also grew up with Hockey Night in Canada. Of course we did. I mean, since the 50s, you've had CKWS, uh, the CBC station out of Kingston, Ontario, on your cable system. So if you were like me... Grew up watching it. watching Hockey Night in Canada since the, the 60s and through the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids grew up on Hockey Night in Canada, Absolutely. Saturday nights. And Don Cherry was an important part of it. What we also don't particularly get is just how big a part of that broadcast in Canada is part of Canadian society. And that was the most viewed segment of that show. What he said was... He said that in, uh, in Canada, uh, at Veterans Time, uh, on the Armistice, um, they don't celebrate it as like veterans like we do. They celebrate it as the Armistice, and they, they use poppies as the signature. Yep. Um, and he, he stated, you know, and, and with the, there was two words, and somebody in one of the Canadian newspapers wrote this. With the exception of these two words, he might still be there. You people. Yeah. And when you say you people, we know what you people mean. Yep. So he said, you people don't get it. You like our milk and honey. You like the, your Canadian lifestyle. At least buy a poppy. And then he showed a video that he had recorded in France years earlier. And that was the preface. I wasn't going to show it anymore because nobody cares. And then somebody said to me, well, why don't you show it for the sake of those who buy the poppies? And he was going to like jam it down everybody's throat um don cherry talking hockey is okay because some of the points that he makes are debatable and it's hockey don cherry uh, don cherry talking uh political politics in in canada not for us to judge because we're not canadian that's that's a whole different game and he he went out of the line of you people um He's talking on a network where the, the where the Toronto Maple Leafs have a game that's broadcast in Punjab. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is the integration of of the sport and how widely you take a look at those Hockey Night in Canada Toronto broadcasts. Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver are very international cities. It, indeed, period, and they, and, they, and they have a very international fan base. Exactly right, and so I mean. Uh, those native of India, those native of uh, Punjab, those native of uh, of other parts of Asia are as big a white and blue fan as my household is. So to then turn around and say, you people, that's that's where Don Cherry lost his job. Yeah, it was, it was point blank. Uh, you can't say things that are racist. I also think, Period. though, you have to place that in the context of a long history of saying some things that maybe weren't you people, but he certainly has approached that line in the past. Uh, and and a, a different employer this time, it's Sportsnet, even though CBC airs a lot of those games. 
different set of rules and and the way they view things and to some you know degree. What? Your point is absolutely right. Up until that time, he had made these. And he said some stuff since since uh, Rogers took took over Hockey Night in Canada, and they only part of their deal uh, with the NHL when they bought monopolized uh, you know the, the NHL broadcasts in Canada was to allow the CBC to still do Hockey Night in Canada. Rogers still runs the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel, but they allow the CBC to run it. It's kind of like their concession to the league to gra- grab control of everything else. When, up until that time, when he would say some of these things in a kind of governmental agency, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, it was a governmental decision, and they weren't going to take that kind of a, uh, of a step. Rogers is a commercial enterprise, and when the feedback started coming in that said, this is too much then they make a commercial decision and had to do what they had to do. Yeah, we, we're going to cut our losses. That's basically what they had exactly. to do. We do have uh, Corey Hergott, who will join us, Rich for Canucks Army. He is on Vancouver Island and, of course, covers the team for them, does the great pre- and post-games, has some great analysis, always some digs out some, some great stats and looks at things in a different way. We're going to talk to him in just a couple minutes. I think we could take our next break, and we'll have him on next. Utica Comets insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. I'm here with my main man, and I got to know, how you going to do that hockey? Utica Comets insider, live from the 72 Tavern and Grill, it's Rain Man and Scoop on 94.9 K-Rock. If you missed any of the broadcast, it's available on podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, It'll be in the Instagram stories at K-Rock CNY, the Twitter and the Facebook page, Scoop page at K-Rock Scoop, mine at K-Rock Rain. And there you go. Make sure you subscribe and give it a listen. It'll be out there for you. I want Matt to fire the highlight reel that we have set up for today. I think it was a fight and a goal by Nikolai Goldobin. And then on the phone on the back side of this, we'll have Comets Corey Hergott from Canucks Army who can give us, I'm sure he's had a couple of ideas in his head, things he wanted to talk about with us tonight. Overview of the game. Go ahead, Matt. Stevenson came in and hit Machine hard. Arsenal nearly knocked the door off its hinges in the corner. Stevenson hit high by Machine. They're going to mix it up. The gloves come down. Stevenson with a right. Throws an uppercut and comes over the top of the right as well. Shields and then lands another. Knocking Machine back a step. Machine blocked by two more rights by Stevenson. Comes at him as he tries to pull the helmet off and down it goes. Stevenson just laid it down on Dominic Machine as those two are mixing it up. Stevenson set down the hallway. Machine goes down towards his locker room. Out to the point, Ulevi. Rafferty again looks in front. It slowed down. McEwen goes back to her. Goes over and scores! Nikolai Goldobin on the power play gets the comments on the board. Well, that gave us some hope there, but it didn't last. Didn't win the game, but you won the fight. Yeah, that's what I always say when you lose the game. <laughs> Corey, uh, Corey Hergott, comments Corey Hergott with us. What stood out to you in today's game on a positive, of a positive nature? Or what things did you want to point out to the comments fans down here in the U? 
Well, I mean, uh, I, I think I wrote this in my post-game report. I didn't. There wasn't a lot of uh, you know game star-worthy performances tonight on the on the Comets side of things, but there were some definitely some honorable mentions out there for sure. Uh, I thought that uh, you know Mikey DiPietro let in a bit of a clunker on that uh, that first goal that uh, Boris Kachuk scored, um, but otherwise I think he played a pretty solid game. I mean he made that uh, he had that one flurry of saves there where I think Bro- Broken Rafferty helped him out as well. But uh, you know you take that one goofy goal out and the empty net goal out and we've got a you know what was a pretty even game overall. So I, I don't think the team needs to get too too far down on themselves after this one. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to see them uh, pull out a win. I, I, I did get uh, a little excited at uh, Goldobin's goal there. I thought, you know, after last game, hey, maybe we can uh, see the team pull this one out again. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't go that way. Uh, that goal, though, that Goldobin scored, when I first saw it, uh, I thought McEwen took the shot and Goldobin buried his rebound. But that was actually a pretty nice little pass by Zach to get that puck to uh, Goldie for that goal. I want to ask you, Corey, about Justin Bailey coming into today's game, seven points, three goals, four assists. He has such brilliant speed out there and for some reason isn't finishing as much as, gosh, I I, I almost expect him to. Yeah. You know, it it looks like he's beating these guys down there and then for something that's wide or it's high or, uh, you know, Still one of the leading scorers on this team. I want to get your thoughts on Justin Bailey and and where he's at with his play right now. Well, uh, you know, why Justin Bailey is still in the American Hockey League. I mean, when you look at uh, the overall package there, you know, he's six four, around two, and that's Corey. We're losing you. If you could just re- repeat what you were you were given his size and. Are you are you still there, buddy? Yeah, I am. You're dropping out a little bit on us. All right, we're going to give him a call back, try to get a better line. Cause... Yeah, we're going to disconnect and, re- and then uh, reconnect. Tom, same same question, though. I mean, that's a, it's a thing that I think was planned out for this team to increase size. And speed. And, and speed. speed. Basically, you had... It was a very top-heavy lineup last year, so they wanted to stretch it out and give it a little bit more depth. And maybe you're not going to replace what Tanner Caro did. He, he's a name that pops into my head all the time because he was such a consistently good player all last year. And maybe you get a little bit more from this guy that's replacing you know this guy and a little bit more here, and the cumulative would benefit the overall team. In watching the games from where I sit... It seems that one of the biggest difficulties that have been experienced so far is just finding the right place in the lineup for Justin Bailey. He has this wonderful, uh, as Corey had pointed out, he's got these these great tools: his size, his speed. Um, he can he can move with the puck, not just move. And yet, what is where? What line is he most? Uh, a productive with yeah you know they've they've moved them around quite a bit in some cases by necessity because of call-ups and injuries until they find that place it's exactly what Trent Cole says it's a chemistry thing they just got to find the right place to fit him in and util- and exploit the the resources that he brings to this club I don't think they've had a chance to find 
consistent for more than a few games at a time. Indeed. Maybe a consistent line here or there. Uh, we've got Corey Hergott back online from Canucks Army. Uh, we'll have him finish his point. Set him up again, Scoop. Where yeah, were you? With regards to Justin Bailey and where his game is at right now, we've talked about his advantages with speed and size. Yet I almost expect him to score a little more because he's got these the gift of this speed. He, he just blows by people but almost seems snake bit a little bit in able, when it comes to burying the puck. Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, and that's where I was going with that. Is I, I think he's got a lot of tools in the toolbox, um, but some guys, the hands don't always catch up to the feet, and I think that might be why we still see him in the American League, because if that guy was... Uh, you know, if he was scoring goals at the rate like a like a Reed Boucher does, I mean, he'd be in the in the NHL all day long. Uh, it's not to say that he's not an effective player. I think he can be, and and I heard you guys kind of discuss it, discussing where he might fit in the lineup a little bit better. Uh, for my money, I think the best that we saw all three of these players was when they were together was uh, Bailey with uh, Francis Perron in the middle and Zach McEwen on the other side. I thought those three played really well together. Um, and, you know, it was only a couple of games they were together, but they were all putting up points over those couple of games. So that's a, that's a line that I think, uh, I think would work well for them. It has worked well for them. It's just a matter of maybe the coaching staff doesn't want to put all those eggs in the same basket maybe when the uh, lineup is depleted. Did we lose him again? No, I think he's there. I'm, I'm hearing the line. You're hearing a line. Utica Comets Insider at 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. Scoop, Tom Coyne, and Rain here with you. And Corey Hergott from Canucks Army is online with us. Uh, Mikey DiPietro, overall, what do you think? I think he's playing is great. He, I mean, Corey even talked earlier in the year about uh, how, you know, uh, he thought maybe Michael DiPietro was going to need some seasoning in Kalamazoo. Certainly doesn't look like that right now. It looks like he's ready to go at the AHL level. The reason that I ask, too, is, and I'll direct this towards Tom, is you've seen a little bit more Mikey DiPietro lately. Yeah. And not quite as much Zane McIntyre ever since he had a real rough game a few games back. I don't know if it's you're riding the hot hand. I think you're riding the hot is hand. Is that what it is right now? Okay, expand, because I'm, yeah, I'm curious I, I, what it, you think. It's, it's often a, a, a case where coaches will, with the exception of what we used to get with uh, with Travis Green, where I used to actually joke with him about the rotation. He We, we would see uh, Joachim Erickson, Erickson and then uh, Markstrom on and off, on and off. They could throw a shutout in the last game. The other guy was coming in the next. And I think that was dictated from from uh, uh, Vancouver. But in this situation here where the up top is pretty stable with Markstrom and with uh, Demko, um, down here I think maybe Cull uh, is being given a little bit more latitude. And I think you, you play the hot hand. Uh, and, and, you know, good heavens, DiPietro has... I mean, he had two bad ones tonight. Well, you know, the, the first goal, that shot, you could almost hear him say, really, as that puck was coming across, you know, from, the, from outside of the, of the neutral zone. Um, and then the second one was just, as, as Joe Roberts pointed out, it was just a well-executed play on the part of, of the crunch. So the kid's been really playing well. And the best thing is for him not to get a perspective of saying, good heavens, I'm looking at my W's and L's as opposed to my save percentage, which is, I think, the most important stat. But the kid's been looking good, and I think you see more of him because he has been looking good. Scoop and I were, were both discussing and blown away on pregame two, two, uh, two days ago in the last game 
where post-game, after the loss, he had said that he was pissed. Everybody in this locker room should be pissed and a little bit frustrated. And at 20 years old, Scoop said it best. That's that's a 20-year-old kid who's showing true leadership. Yeah. And that's just an impressive thing to have in that locker room. When one of the youngest players in the American Hockey League, one of the youngest guys on this team. He said, I need to be better. We all need to be better. He He, didn't put it on anybody. but That's right. He took it. He he held himself accountable, Scoop. And I I love that, to be honest with you. And that's the sort of thing that your teammates are going to rally around. You know, nobody gets thrown under the bus. It's like, look, this is a team game. We all got to do better. Impressive. Uh, very much so. And if you look back over uh, this franchise's history, the most competitive guys that we've seen out there have been our best goaltenders. Markstrom was that way. Erickson was even that way. And Demko was certainly that way. And it's nice to see that that kind of a tradition is continuing here now. Uh, before we wrap things up tonight, of course, we want to say thank you again to all the veterans out there currently serving or that have served. It is Veterans Day allowing us to be able to talk hockey for the last hour. Thank you to Joe Roberts, who is with us for our first two segments. Tom Coyne for joining us for the past hour. And Corey Hergott, who wrote some phone issues. I wonder if the storm that we're getting here might be affecting cell lines or something like that. But uh, he'll be back with us next Monday. We will have a player here next Monday. And on the subject of goaltenders and Jacob Markstrom, who you brought up, who brought us a great Calder Cup run at one point. Uh, His father passed away. The news broke yesterday. Uh, that was reported. He had taken a few games off to go back and see him because I think uh, with him battling cancer, it, it was an expected thing. But he's been playing very well. Uh, he's fought his way through that, so we wanted to send condolences out from Vancouver or from Utica to, to Vancouver Van- to him. With that being said, Utica Comets Insider at the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9. K-Rock concludes the podcast. They'll be out soon. Scoop always gets the last word. Go Comets!